Hey everybody and welcome to another installment of Growing the Game with Ballsy. However you're listening, thanks for making us part of your podcast routine. I want to thank one of our title sponsors, John Ryan and the John Ryan Foundation, which has done great work in Regina over the years. Of course, he retired from football this year, but the John has given back to the RMF. He's given back to the Regina Rams program at the U of R with the scholarship, and of course, he has been a mainstay sponsoring this podcast. So thanks to John Ryan for getting on board. Time now for our first quarter, and we kick off the podcast by chatting with legendary broadcaster Chris Cuthbert about his time behind the microphone and thoughts on the recently played Grey Cup 109 here in Regina. Chris, is there a sport that you haven't called that you'd like to call? Oh, that's a good question because I've, I've pretty well called um, everything. I think I've called about 13, 14 sports. The one thing I, I haven't done and, and won't do is is I... I, I've called basketball at the Olympics, but I never got to call an NBA game, which would have been cool. I, I guess 10 years ago, I might have told you that uh, I, I would have liked to have called an NFL game, but uh, I wouldn't trade an NFL game for a, for a CFL game and a Grey Cup. So uh, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with all the opportunities I've had. Chris, you know, in my first year here, I was just uh, listening to different guys, yourself and such, and you mentioned the NFL. So I listened to a bunch of NFL radio guys, and I will tell you this, CFL announcers, and it's not a big revelation, but they have it a lot harder than NFL announcers, don't they, with all the motion, faster uh, play clock and all that type of thing? I think I think they do. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a little more of a stationary game. Uh, it's uh, it's it's on a compacted field as well. So uh, uh, you, you know, I uh, but I do always say that uh, for for all of us, it it beats working for a living. So we're not we're not out there splitting the atom. And yeah. uh, and fortunately for for all of us, that's the case. Yeah, for sure. Chris Cuthbert joining us here. Glenn Suter's a Hall of Famer. I was at the Football Reporters of Canada breakfast when he was honored along with Ed Willis uh, there in Regina at the Doubletree. Uh, did you know right away that you two'd be good together in the booth? Well, I did because uh, you know what? Uh, we went back to playoff games uh, for CBC in um, in the mid-90s and uh, what I found immediately was, uh, you know, first game would be the Western semifinal and I felt like we'd been working together for a number of years and uh, so yeah, it was pretty seamless right from the start and, and I've always said that about Suits, I don't like comparing uh, any of the color commentators I've worked with and I've worked with over 60, uh, but the one note about Suits that I will say publicly and I don't think I'm offending anybody else is that I think he's the only one I've worked with who could do my job as well as I did. He, uh, I, I know he can call play-by-play as well, and uh, he's just a very gifted, talented broadcaster. And to be honest with you, way overdue to go into the FRC Hall of Fame. And uh, I wondered why it took so long. And then Rod Smith told us on the weekend that this was his 27th year. So there's some, some nice uh, career symmetry to him waiting till year 27 to go into the Hall of Fame. That's nice. That's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. And before I let you go, your thoughts 
on the Grey Cup. I'll tell you what, the Toronto Argonauts, kind of a middling team. I think their their season really turned around in that Halifax game. The Riders went one way, they went the other way. But what I love about the CFL, Chris, you, you have a team that has a blocked field goal against them. They have more penalties than the Bombers. They give up the longest punt return in the history of the storied game. They have a backup quarterback finish the game, and they still win the darn thing. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I shouldn't even bring this up, and, and fans are going to be mad at me, but I thought the Robbie Smith face mask penalty was going to be the toughest call uh, against a team since 2009, and I won't mm. go any further. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it was a good call, but uh, he didn't have to face mask. They had Caleros dead to rights. Game would have been over. And then we, we ended up with how many more uh, impactful plays in that game. Uh, classic great cup, uh, one that had me on the edge of my seat. It usually doesn't disappoint, but that one will, will go down in great cup lore. And uh, uh, I, I think it's one of those games that was kind of needed to give the league another uh, booster shot, another shot in the arm to to to, but to help interest, certainly in the Toronto area, and I think it, it, it got a little bit of attention. It's still a, a long road here in, in Toronto to, to resell the game, uh, but they did have over 20,000 legitimately for the Eastern Final, and that wasn't even against Hamilton. It would have been more if the Ticats were here, and uh, I hope maybe that uh, helps... Uh, uh, you know, uh, open some eyes here, especially uh, young young people that don't know anything about the CFL, and and the, and it really doesn't get much attention media wise here, but it has in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, which is good, and uh, hopefully that creates a little momentum. Well, Rod Smith does a great job along with Glenn Suter, but I'm not going to lie, I miss Chris Cuthbert in the booth for the uh, big Grey Cup game. Hey, thanks for your help this year, helping me out with the depth charts and everything, and uh, continued success behind the mic uh, for the hockey calls thank you michael and congratulations on on your uh, maiden voyage with the riders and uh, i know there's many great years to come and uh yeah the great cup's in pretty good hands with those two guys and uh i uh, i had a pretty good seat on my couch and enjoyed it immensely This quarter is sponsored by Face First Medical Aesthetics. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way with Crescinda to catch at Face First Medical Aesthetics above Gabo's on Dudney Avenue. Your go-to place in the aesthetics business here in Regina. And this quarter is also brought to you by Paul Waldo over at Royal LePage in Regina. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ. Give him a call, 306-502-5355. Regina's Mason Nias wrapped up a six-year career as starting quarterback for the U.S. Huskies. He sat down with me prior to the Vanier Cup to talk about his disappointment over not being named the Heck Crichton Trophy winner. And you could make a case that this is the greatest U of S Husky of all time. He'll never say it, but I'm going to say it. He's right up there, man. This guy's never lost on home turf in Saskatchewan. He's got his team back in the Vanier Cup. But let's start here. Nias, do you feel robbed? You weren't named the Heck Crichton Trophy winner, and I am absolutely pissed about it. Um, you know what? I it's one of those things, right? Um, do I feel I deserved deserved it? Sure. Uh, I think I put up stats to get it. I think I put up the tape to get it, but obviously the voters didn't think so. So you know what? I can't uh, I can't control what the voters do. Um, I will say this though: um, 
you know what? The award winner, very well deserving, great guy. Um, he had a great season, so not taking anything away from that either. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you have 12 touchdowns as a receiver, that is very impressive, no doubt about it. He had less than 100 yards uh, a game, though. You finished with almost 2,800, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. I snicker, though, Mason. I know you're a classy guy. I'm not expecting you to throw mud, but don't, does it make you scratch your head, too? A couple of years ago, your teammate Adam Mackard should have been the Heck Crichton Trophy winner, but... Merchant gets it, and not saying Merchant wasn't a good player, but his stats were less than yours right now. But they said, wow, it was a career award. Well, couldn't they have said the same thing about Mason Nice? It's kind of funny how the voting and the and, and the narrative kind of switches from year to year, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, it's, it's funny in the macro situation. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The macro situation was a tough one. Obviously, Merchant's a heck of a player, but you know, I, I thought Macar was deserving of that award as well. And uh, once again, there's not much myself or Adam could do in those situations. It's one of those things where you go and you try to play your best football and you put it all out there. And uh, if people <laughs> think, you're, think you are deserving an award, they'll vote for it. If they don't, they don't. And like you said, not much I can do. But, yeah, I will say, Kevin, he, he's a great guy. I played in Canada with him a couple of years ago. I talked to him, obviously, today. Um, nothing but congratulations to him. But, yeah, like you said, obviously, I, I thought I put up the numbers and the tape to uh, receive the award, and obviously uh, the voters didn't think so. So not much I can do. Uh, it, it is what it is, but just focus on Saturday. Yeah, no, we'll get to that in a second. Do you think part of the problem here with the voting and stuff is that you guys don't play – interlocking schedules like you would uh, at the NCAA level where, you know, uh, a, a guy who's a, a candidate for the trophy from Georgia and a guy, let's say, from Michigan, they may have played each other in a game during the year. We don't have the interlocking till uh, the semifinals in Canada. And I think a lot of times these guys are in their own world and they don't really pay attention to what's going on, say, in Can West. Um, yeah, that definitely could play a factor in things, no doubt about it. And that's the same goes with the awards and the national the national rankings throughout the season, right? Um, obviously, I'm biased, and Ken West people are biased, but I think it's the most competitive and most parity league in the in the nation. Um, and I think the numbers and the scores really show that. I think we play in a tough conference. I think we had five or six games this year with teams ranked in the top ten. So obviously, a lot of good football, a lot of good parity, but. Uh, like you said, obviously, um, guys out of conference can think what they want. Maybe they're OUA bias or our sec bias, but that's all, once again, uh, up for speculation. You just got to, whoever you're playing, whether it be the UBC Thunderbirds or John Rams, Santa Fax or Laval, or really, it's, you just got to play football and put your best stuff on tape. <laughs> And growing the game with Ballsy rolls along, episode 331, and time to recognize another title sponsor. Thanks to my buddy Ben Garrow and his great business, Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and Prince Albert, your SGI-accredited auto body repair shop. They are a family-owned and certified collision care OEM-approved auto body shop, providing comprehensive service as part of a worldwide network of best-in-class collision repair shops. Their customer service team can manage the entire process on your behalf to ensure everything you need is taken care of. Trust Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. And here in our third quarter, 
We talk with U Sports President Pierre Arsenault. He gives us his thoughts on the Vanier Cup and the awards voting process, which, you know, I think is flawed. Thanks for taking my call, Pierre. I appreciate it. Hi, Michael. Great to be with you tonight. Nice to be with you too, man. Okay, so first off, let's uh, talk about some positivity here. I thought that was a great display of Canadian University football. Came right down to the wire. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that. And and, and uh, we had a couple of you know really good uh, competitive weeks of football. Both bowl games were uh, really good, entertaining games. And then uh, I think Laval and Saskatchewan uh, showed for sure why why uh, they belonged in that game. And and right from the get go, what was fun about it was it was you know they, they both offenses played great, and and so there was lots of playmaking, and and uh, was entertaining right to the end. We've got a big country, and it's been out east a lot lately. And that's, I mean, I don't know how this works, so maybe you can fill us in. Uh, you know, Laval had a bit of an advantage with regards to travel. U of S could have stayed out there, but, uh, but they elected because of what they went through last year. They thought they'd go back home, and then the Huskies would fly back. I think if they were to do it all over again, they'd probably stay out there. Where I'm going with this, Pierre, is how does it work with regards to getting the game, like hosting the game, and might we see an appetite to move it out west once in a while? Yeah, so so we go through uh, like like all of our championships, we go through a bid process where we invite uh, expressions of interest from uh, schools, communities, and and uh, and we would go through. So actually, we're and and ultimately, if things are moving well, uh, you get out in front of that a couple of years, and and through the pandemic, through some possible discussions around you know could you line up the schedule with cfl again things like that um we we kind of had been going a, a year at a time with with the vanier but uh we are going out right away in the next 10 days to look at 2023 see where there's interest and then and then 2024 as well where we would try and get a couple of years locked in and we i mean to answer your question we we uh we would love to see it in in, in markets out west i mean there's been discussion about would it be regina at some point would it be Saskatoon? Uh, the, the uh, um, one, you know, it was a, it was a great uh, build up and event at, at London, and, and one of the things that that showed is that you know a, a stadium of that size, a community of that size, can can really be a wonderful home for the event. So. Um, we're going to work with our members here in the next little bit, and uh, yeah, we'd love an opportunity for it to go away. So, you know, it is the sport in uh, – out of you sports, and I'm not saying that's why people go to school to become professional players, but of all the sports at the U sports level, that is the one that would draw the most attention to your respective schools because those guys go to play pro football, mostly to the CFL, but in some cases to the NFL – so here's my thing. I'm watching this game on CBC, and I thought they did a pretty good job of the coverage, uh, graphics, all that stuff, a real credibility with Mark Lee on the call, Pierre. And this is a publicly funded network. Now, this is nothing to do with you, but is there a chance maybe we could get a – why can't I have a, a, a game of the week on U Sports? doesn't have to be Can West. Why can't there be a U Sports game of the week? I can watch World Trampolining. Why can't I see a, a U Sports game of the week? Yeah, I, I, you know, this is, I'm, I'm aligned with your thinking on that, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, last, last weekend, Saturday's game is a great example of – how entertainment and how entertaining the product can be, and just how good our student athletes are, and 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 uh, and you're, you know, I mean, the, the the player of the game, the most outstanding player of the game uh, in the in the Grey Cup last week was a is a sports player played at Saint Avax, and and so it, it, yeah, we, we we are building. CBC has been been actually really 
a good partner across um, all of our championships and football has been a piece of it. And, and I, I agree with you. I appreciate you saying that. I thought they did a good job on the weekend. And we're trying to, I mean, you're still trying to navigate what the digital footprint in these days, these days and what it means to be on digital streaming versus linear TV. But um, we love the idea of, of a game of the week and trying to build, even if it was a four or six weeks building into the playoffs as a starting point, so that there's a storyline that people get excited about building into what what you know what was a great a, a great uh, Band Aid Cup at the end of it all. I want to make two points here. Uh, I had gone back and forth with you with regards to the Heck Crichton and my displeasure and everything like that, and I asked you to find me somebody to talk about this, and you said you would go do it, and you ended up being the guy. So I'm going to say right off the get go that shows leadership, and I appreciate you being on here and graciously taking my questions because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still kind of a a little bit upset, but I'm glad you're on here. So I do want to say that. Second thing I want to say is I respect all student athletes. I have a son that's going through it right now down south. Uh, Regardless if you're down south or up here in Canada, these kids, these guys, these girls, whatever sport, they put a lot of time and effort into it. So I respect all the athletes. So kudos to Kevin Mattel for what he did. He showed he showed in the game he's a great athlete and worthy of the heck Crichton. But as a commissioner who has nothing to do with the voting, you're not in charge of this. Do you not find it interesting that a guy who has way better stats, like it's not even close in the regular season, isn't your your heck Crichton trophy winner? Like one guy averaged 340 yards passing a game. One other guy didn't have 100 yards receiving. Now, he did have 12 touchdowns, which is great for a receiver. I'll admit that. But the other guy, the other guy had 18 touchdowns and three interceptions. I don't understand how that guy isn't considered your best player. Do you not find that interesting, sitting in the big chair? Well, I, I mean, what I, what I would say, first of all, is, is I, I had the good fortune of the last two weeks. I was at the UTEC Bowl and then I was at the Band Union. So I've watched Mason Ias directly, uh, you know, out close and personal the last two weeks. And I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's a very impressive young man. I had the chance just very, very quickly to, to meet him. He seems like modest, hardworking, and and, uh, and Coach Flory and, and, and the entire Saskatchewan program and Shannon Chin with Chief uh, Athletic Officer, they, they, they built something really, really good and sustainable and very impressive and, and tons to be proud of. And, and, and we're very proud and fortunate of, of, of their story because it, it, it strengthens our football story. And, you know, and then you get in, when, whenever you're going through these award processes, it's funny, you're doing this great thing to celebrate accomplishment. And almost always there's, there's a part of it coming out the other side where you're dealing with the hard emotions of, um, because we had to pick a winner, it seems to, um, in a way, be almost dismissive of, of, of accomplishments of, of other student athletes or, 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 you know, other pieces. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, for sure, I think that, that Mason is very impressive, had a wonderful season. I, my understanding through the process is that the voting was very close for the High Brighton, um, which, again, is a testament to all the, the nominees. And, and then, you know, they go through looking at stats, they go through uh, video submissions and, and uh um, you know, I, I, I think as we saw on Saturday, Natal, and, and you said it, and I appreciate you saying that, like, no, not, don't take anything away from him. I mean, he's pretty legitimate. And, and uh, um, But I, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm easy to jump on with celebrating how, how good that season was, for sure. Yeah, okay. So I just want to ask, who, like, who, do they have an independent committee that votes on things like this or the first team, the first team all-star? Because, listen, you're not, 
you guys aren't in a silo when it comes to this. We just went through this at the CFL level where Mario Alford is the outstanding special teams player in the CFL at Grey Cup Week, he's announced, but yet he's not a West All-Star. It makes a guy scratch his head, and it leads to conspiracy theories. When you have the guy who is up for the heck Crichton, your only quarterback up for the heck Crichton, but he's not a first-team All-Star quarterback – I would be like, who's voting on this? And are there two different committees? And can they not put their heads together? To it just it it, it kind of reeks like what is going on here. That's how I look at it. No, I, I appreciate that. And so I'll just quickly walk through the process, and we can talk yeah, about sure. the emotion as well. Like that. So so the the selections are done by a committee of eight. There's two reps from each of the four conferences, and and the reps ultimately come from coaches from our 27-member institutions. So every conference is represented by two coaches um, from their conference that go and do the voting. The voting processes are different for each of the awards. And so the four Huckwright nominees are the four conference all-stars in each of the four conferences. Um, and they would go through a process and choose the winner there. Then they would go through a second process where you have the list of nominees for the All-Canadians and, and, um, and they would make their decision. Now, I, I, it totally makes sense where you're coming from. And, and I would say that that often travels together, that if you're a Heck Crichton nominee, you're probably going to find yourself certainly as an All-Canadian, which Mason was, um, but often as first team at your position. Um, you know, in this instance, the two, the two All-Canadian quarterbacks, so the Val quarterback and, and Saskatchewan quarterback, and one threw for 340 yards on Saturday, and the other threw, I think, for 390. So they, 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 they certainly showed that they, they, they both are the, belong and are the right choices. And, and you know, I, 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 we, we've gone through different iterations because every sport has its own voting process that is some version of similar, and you've gone through different iterations where you can say, well, the, the Player of the Year nominees have to be first-team All-Canadians, but... You know, then then you can get into the debate where someone says, well, you know, it's possible that you are deemed to be the most valuable to your team, but you're not deemed to be the absolute best at your position uh, when it's just a pure discussion about your position. So, you know, I, I, I again, I, I think you're, 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 you're talking about a choice amongst two really good choices and a whole bunch of really good choices across all these positions. And, and uh, I greatly I, I freely accept the debate about whether or not that this is you know whether or not people agree or disagree yeah no and any talk about uh, something that doesn't get talked about enough in my opinion is the way to go I mean I I'm passionate about it and I'm asking questions because I uh, I actually care about you sports and I don't know that we have enough people on board caring about you sports henceforth people are now just getting on the Mason Nias train something we've been talking about around here for eight years now everybody's getting on it because it's kind of like the the flavor of the month my question to you is this okay you know would there be a way to get an independent committee to look at something like this going forward because the narrative always changes like a few years ago it was you know Chris Merchant got it Uh, he wasn't even the best quarterback stats wise in his conference whereas Adam Mackard had a unbelievable and listen I have no dog in the fight in fact I'm a Pierre I'm a Rams guy I'm not even a Husky guy but Mackard had a record setting year he was lights out, never had a fumble average, eight yards a carry, and they gave it to Merchant, and Merchant wasn't even the best quarterback in his conference. And what I heard then from a lot of people is, well, it was a, it's a career award. You know, it's a career accomplishment. It's a, Okay, so if that's the case, like, where I'm going with this, shouldn't we have an independent committee? Shouldn't we have a set guideline of criteria? I don't care who the best pro prospect is. It's who's the best player that year, 
right there. That's what I say because it's the, the, the goalpost always seems to move, and that's where it gets frustrating for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so I, I would start with what you said a second ago, which is, is like, I, I'm, I think it's a really good thing for our product and for, for you sports that people are debating this because it means you do care about it. And even though sometimes the conversation is a little bit uncomfortable for us, it, it's a really positive thing. So I, I, I really appreciate that, that you are telling the story of you sports and that you are um, challenging and talking about this. I mean, it's, it's, it's good for, for our game and for our student-athletes. Um, I, I think for sure, I, I, I feel, I, I mean, personally, I feel good about the fact that the Heck Creighton process and our, and our player of the year process is respect. Uh, it starts by respecting who the player of the year in each conference was and mm-hmm. was chosen. And, and therefore, if a player is chosen as, you know, in the merchant example, once he was chosen as the OUA MVP, the discussion about is there another better quarterback, pure quarterback in the OUA kind of goes away. And I think that's important and good for us to respect the conference process. Um, and, and then, you know, is there, uh, I, I mean, as this continues to grow and more people have eyes on it and, and debate it, um, do we find a way to bring in um, some outside independent? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, that, that is ultimately our process is, is to continue to work with the schools that are playing in each of the sports and say, is this working? Is it isn't working? How do we get better at what we're doing? Uh, it, it's a funny thing. You, 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 you do anything you can and you're desperate to try and get people to pay attention to your product. And when they start being attention, paying attention to your product, they're going to debate and, 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 and question and challenge. And, and uh, then you got to deal with that side of it. But that's what we want. We want people to be engaged and interested. <laughs> Time to recognize another major sponsor of this podcast. And for that, we turn our attention to the Regina Sports Performance Center here in Regina, located at 1464 Broadway Avenue. And man, do they have all your athletic needs under one roof. They've got an outstanding physiotherapist in Scott Anderson. They've got an indoor football field, 24 yards wide by 50 yards long, stadium quality turf, and it's got markings for football, soccer, and lacrosse. They've got two regulation size three-on-three basketball courts on a poly turf rubberized surface with markings for two pickleball and badminton courts. And of course, they've got indoor an indoor soccer field that's 24 yards wide by 35 Five yards long stadium quality turf with markings for soccer and infield markings for junior baseball plus they've got a weight facility and cardio area as well so check them out 1464 broadway avenue a new center of excellence for the training and rehabilitation of saskatchewan's elite athletes or just everyday joes not pros like yours truly our fourth quarter is brought to you by our good friend Kevin Welsh and Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon, Saskatoon's only certified roofing business, specializing in GAF, CertainTeed, and Malarkey roofing products. They offer a manufacturer's warranty. Give them a call, 306-262-ROOF. And for the fourth quarter, we talked to a familiar guest. I thought his football career was done. He announced his retirement on Facebook, but U of R Rams running back Kyle Borsa talks about his decision to go out on his own terms. Yeah, I was kind of uh, upset a little bit when this guy announced his retirement because to me it was like, this guy, his career just didn't uh, 
finish the way I wanted or he didn't get the accolades or anything the way I wanted him to go out. That would be Kyle Borsa of the Rams who had this big post on Facebook and retired. But Kyle, welcome to the show. Merry Christmas. You're coming back, I hear. Yeah, I mean, I uh, kind of surprised myself um, <laughs> in making that decision. But, uh, yeah, no, I got surgery a lot sooner than I expected. And, uh, yeah, so I think I want to ride it out for one more year. Well, uh, I say ride it till the wheels fall off the wagon. And I know your buddy's Mason Nias. And didn't he give you uh, the old tip or just told your dad to tell Kyle to keep playing till he can't play no more? Of course. You know, Mason, Mason never wants anybody to stop playing football, so... Um, yeah, he, he was super supportive too. And, um, yeah, we were kind of, he was kind of talking me off the ledge a little bit, uh, in the beginning because yeah, he's super supportive friend. So Mm. yeah, I'm lucky to have Mason around for sure. Tell you what, didn't that kid get ripped off of the heck Crichton? Like, come on. I mean, well, here's the thing. I thought he was kind of a lock for it. And then I see he didn't even get a first team all Canadian. I was like, Whoa. And then it kind of like, okay, well, how is he supposed to get the heck if he's on a first team? So yeah, I think he's, I thought he, like, was going to win the heck, but it's like, okay, there's some good players around, but, like, for him to not even be first-team All-Canadian, I was like, okay, well, that's the, wrong. That's a, ridic- <laughs> that's a ridiculous thing. He's the only quarterback up for the heck, but then he wasn't the first-team All-Star quarterback, huh? Like that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense. That's what I've always that's what I've never liked about you, sports, Kyle, and you can speak to it. Like, I know the teams practice hard like the coaches uh, care about it a guy like you nobody trains harder than you that's why I'm glad you're back to player last year but I feel like those people that run the sports body like you sports or people who vote on these things or people that run the universities they really don't put much thought or effort into it yeah I don't know like I I would love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations but I mean, I try to keep the bias out of it as much as I can because he's one of my best friends, but it's like, geez, like, number one, look who he's playing against and, like, look at his numbers. It's, I feel like they speak for themselves, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'm not, I'm not in to make those decisions. And I know Mason, um, I think he cared more about the Vanier more than he cared about those individual accolades. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I was just as surprised as anybody, so... So uh, you're coming back now. Are you coming back? I know you're uh, looking to be a teacher and, and, and then get into coaching. So are you coming back just to uh, finish it off the right way yourself? And like you're you're not really looking at pro ball. You just want to finish the Rams career in the right way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like I still haven't had the college career that I've wanted to, like you said. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't – I didn't want my career to end by – um, something outside of myself. If I'm if I'm done football, I want to be able to finish it on my own, not something else. You know. Yeah. So so how did you come to that decision? Because you put out this big elaborate Facebook post. I never I talked to you quite frequently, but I just let it be. And then uh, I was starting to hear uh, rumors that you were coming back. But what ultimately flipped your decision was the fact you got your uh, your uh, knee surgery so fast, or what what made you decide? Okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I think I think initially. Um, you, I just, I just initially thought that you have to wait um, like a good few months before you can get into surgery. And I mean, I figured the wait for the MRI was going to be long enough just to figure out what was going on. Um, so I just felt like there's a whole waiting process. Um, I'm graduating school here um, next week, actually. So I mean, yeah, I figured the combination of those two things, I felt like it didn't really make much sense, nor was it even feasible. And now, like. 
I'm six weeks out, six weeks out of surgery already, and I'm I'm running, I'm biking, and I'm doing all these things. So it's like, hey, uh, yeah, I want to go back and play. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'll tell you what, it, it was a it was a really good season for your Regina Rams, uh, and I I shudder to think what would have happened had you played and Donnelly taking nothing away from the guys who replaced you because they did it like Katende and the guys, and I know you helped those guys out, um, but you know you had a committee by running back, and then of course uh, your quarterback, oh, young Noah Pelshi, did a great job replacing Josh Donnelly. I shudder to think though what would have happened had you played and maybe even Donnelly played. What's the team look like coming back when you come back? Do you got a pretty good chance? I mean, I think so. I think we have guys that are going to be filling in some big shoes for sure, especially on defense. Um, but I've seen those guys in practice and I've seen them in exhibition games. And even in our last game against Manitoba, we had some guys who like really opened some eyes. So I think uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a test for sure, but I don't think it's out of the question that we can make another run. Um, and on offense, we don't really lose too many guys, minus Riley Borisma, who's a stud uh, receiver for us. Um, so that'll be a big spot to fill. But other than that, our whole line is going to be pretty solid again. And uh, Noah's obviously playing really well. So um, if Josh can't make the comeback, then, yeah, I think we're going to be just fine there. So uh, before I let you go here, um, I think you want to get into being like a high school football coach uh, eventually if I'm if I'm right with that. So how much did last season help you in terms of you weren't playing, but you did help the running backs, you helped break down film. How much did that help you uh, kind of further cement that mindset and maybe help you with the development on that side? Yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, um, you get a different perspective on the game. So you, you kind of see how what you're teaching – and it's a reflection of you and whether they're understanding what you're saying or not. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel for the coaches because that's not an easy job. People think coaching is, uh, is something that's pretty easy. But, uh, no, I'm here to tell you it's not. And people like to give their two cents after there's plays called or after something doesn't go, go the right way. But, um, yeah, coaching is not an easy job. So. Yeah. Hey, and lastly, your coach won Coach of the Year. That's a nice feather in Mark McConkie's cap. Just talk about what a good coach he is. Yeah, Mark's awesome. Um, I mean, he's he's a new school coach, so he's really really good relationship with his players. He'll take his players' input, and I I think that works really well for our team because I mean we have we have smart guys in the room, so uh, I think some coaches can kind of get into their own way a little bit. Whereas Mark, he is very open minded, and he'll listen to guys' concerns and what they have to say, and and he'll usually uh, put them into place. So. Um, yeah, I think Mark's got a great future for the team, and I'm really happy where he's going with the team. So, Well, I'm happy you're back, Matt. It's going to be great to, to watch. I know our buddy here, Sean Kleisinger, is the uh, public address announcer, and he's going to be happy to announce Kyle Borsa for one more year. Uh, thanks a lot. Merry Christmas and uh, to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, thanks a lot, Baldy. Merry Christmas. Well, as you know, I like to rant. So we wrap this podcast up. It's something we call the extra point. And within this extra point, it's a gospel according to Ballsy. <laughs> My thoughts on the Heck Crichton debacle.
Well, politics at its best on display at the University of Western in London, Ontario, as the hardware was handed out in U Sports football in advance of the Vanier Cup between the U of S and Laval. Now, Laval receiver Kevin Mattel was named the Heck Crichton Trophy winner as the best player in the country. He led the country in receptions with 58 and receiving yards with 751 in eight regular season games. And his 12 touchdown receptions were a school record and tied the conference record. Those are good stats especially the 12 touchdowns, but not outstanding and not MVP worthy and not in the ballpark of Mason Nias, the U of S Huskies quarterback. The Regina kid put up almost 2,800 yards with 18 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. Plus, Nias plays in the best conference in Canada and that's not up for debate. Now I hear all these flimsy excuses as to why he didn't get it. Everything from Nias is just a pocket passer to Mattel is the better pro prospect. What? I didn't know you had to be a running quarterback to get the award. Nowhere do I see that in the list of prerequisites. I didn't even know there is a certain criteria you have to meet. Also, this award isn't about predicting whose pro football future is going to be better. It's the College Football Award. Who's the best that season, isn't it? Unless it isn't. It all depends on the narrative. Let's go back to 2019 when the Huskies running back Adam Mackart had a record-breaking season, and he was also denied the top award as it was given to Western quarterback Chris Merchant. Let's look at some of the stats. Mackert was the Can West nominee. That year, he had 1,330 yards rushing, which was first in the nation, 314 yards more than the second-place rusher. He averaged 8.5 yards a carry, eight rushing touchdowns, 166 yards a game. That was also first in Canada, 40 yards more per game than second place, no fumbles, and also had 204 yards through the air with three touchdown grabs. Merchant that year won the heck with 2,378 yards passing, which was third in the nation. 14 touchdown passes, which was fourth in the nation. Eight interceptions, tied for fourth last in the nation. He had 438 yards rushing with six touchdowns. So not exactly Trey Ford or Michael Vick-like. Here's a funny one. Merchant wasn't even the best quarterback in the OUA that season. Toronto's quarterback had more yards, 240 more yards, had more touchdown passes, 24, which was 10 more, and tied with Merchant with eight interceptions and had 402 yards rushing. But a lot of people said at that time, Merchant was given the award because it was a celebration of his career. Well, couldn't you have said the same thing about Mason Nias? A celebration of his career. A guy that's got his team to back-to-back -to -back Vanier Cups who has never lost as a starter on home turf. Prior to Trey Ford winning the heck last year, a player from the Can West won the heck for five straight seasons. It's looking more and more to me that if two players are close, they will shy away as much as they can from giving a Can West player the award for a while. That's how it looks to me. It looks very rigged. Because for five straight years, it wasn't even close. A Can West player ran away with the award. Buckley twice, Picton, Ilnicki, and Sinagra. Now all of a sudden, when players are close from a different conference, they give it to another conference. <laughs> and once again, I'll reiterate, when it's close, it's not even close here. You know, 12 touchdowns is really impressive for a receiver, but it's not in the same stratosphere as Nias. And check this out. This is even more egregious than not giving the kid the Heck Crichton Award. So he's the only quarterback up 
for the most outstanding player in Canada, okay? The only quarterback, and he's not named a first-team All-Star. Can we let that marinate for a second? Can somebody please explain that to me? You want to stop conspiracy theories? Then stop BS like this.